Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. As always, a huge shout out to our sponsor, the Holy Grail. We will be having our first watch party of the year, although I have to work on some details now that ESPN has made things a lot more difficult. Uh, (laughs) But either way, make sure you're getting down to the Holy Grail at the banks they will absolutely take great care of you, get you some uh, some fried wonton, Rubens, some chicken wings, some very good pizza, burgers, Philly cheesesteak, all kinds of good stuff from our friends at the Holy Grail. And of course, while you're there, have some drinks. That's what, that's what Dave would do, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> get some, some socially distanced... <clears throat> fair at our friends from the Holy Grail at the banks. They will be hosting watch parties pretty much throughout the season as uh, we, we wait to find out exactly how things will play out if there will be fans in Nippert. Um, I know people are, are a, a bit confused by that. I do understand, Dave, the, 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 the somewhat maybe overcautious um, stance by the athletic department and more importantly, probably the president and, and the people that make decisions on the difference between if you are bringing, you know, 10,000 people to Paul Brown stadium, which is kind of in an open space that is unto itself, or if you're bringing five, 10,000 people into the middle of a college campus and, uh, the risks that are affiliated with that. I know that has been, um, from, from what I've heard, Dave, they, they have talked about the, the exemption that like the, the, the Bengals got and the Browns got. Yeah. Um, I, they are working towards something. I think they are just being um, overly cautious on that, that path because it is it does involve, you know, uh, bringing a lot of people into a place where uh, there's more than sports. So... Sure. I know that's that's the concern that they have. That's the, the the place that they're working from. I didn't really plan to start the show like this, but here we are. No, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I didn't know exactly where to drop this in, but it actually probably works here. I was today looking at their COVID dashboard for UC, wow. and it's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, so... I would hope, based on that, that, you know, we've kind of already passed that, you know, delicate point of, okay, all those kids came back the weekend before school started and there was nothing for them to do, so they were doing what college kids do. And then school started two and a half weeks ago. And once we get through probably the next few days to see yeah, I mean, it, Labor Day is a, a concern because everybody right. went if that If that had a big bearing or not, like the numbers that they're posting, there basically hasn't been, I mean. What hardly, we haven't seen is like, you know, 30 people at a dorm. No, I mean, they have a hundred, they're, they're, they're posting like 143 total cases over the last 15 days. So, 
and only 47 of those are on campus students. Yeah. They've done a really good job. I mean, so they, they I do would deserve hope, based on that, based on those numbers, based on, you know, they even break it down to like current UC residential students in isolation, current UC residential students in quarantine, where they're isolating, whether it's on campus or at home, you know, where they're quarantining, same thing. Like those would all be, in my opinion, very positive as far as hopefully in October, allowing whatever it might be, 7,000, 8,000, you know, some percentage of fans to, to be able to attend games if they want to. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the main concern right there is they are doing okay and they don't want to uh, risk the, the outside impact of bringing, you know, 7,000 people onto campus. And so, I mean, that's, that's what, uh, they're paid for is to figure those things out, right? Yeah, that's that's why they make good money. <laughs> I'm I'm glad it's above my pay grade because I'm sure there are a lot of but, yeah legal legal hoops and and whatnot that all have to be uh, cleared. For my own personal benefit, I just wish our campus was south of the Mason Dixon line. Right, because <laughs> I just some of the stuff you just makes you wonder of what's you know. What the deal is so <laughs> all right um so you've been at practice now multiple times yes have we seen any themes develop whether it's a position group in particular or just anything that's caught your eye that's been more than just like a, oh this was a good period by this person or this group it's something that has actually been built on um, I, I think it's interesting seeing the the daily back and forth on offense and defense, and today it even sh it shifted in practice, where early in the practice the offense was humming. Des was throwing the ball really well. They were pushing it down the field, and then they got into a seven on seven goal line or red zone, not goal line. Got into seven on seven red zone. Um, the defense cranked it up a little bit and the offense kind of struggled to recover. So it's been, I think, good watching that back and forth of seeing the offense step up to the challenge. Cause we know this defense is going to be really good. We know every day in practice, the offense uh, is at a disadvantage the minute that they step on the field. Yeah. I mean, I, some numbers don't, necessarily bear this out but I feel like I mean the offense is going against the best defense they're going to play all year in practice yeah. every day yeah so there's no greater tests for them than that uh in the sense of if we can have success here then we should feel confident that we can have success against anybody yeah I mean it it you know, completing passes, they, there was a large portion of, of when they were in team today that they had on the left side of the field, you had Sauce at corner, Majay at defensive end, and Wiggins at safety just on the left side of the field. And I was like, what? The left side's out. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> there's nothing you can do on the left side. Um, 
Majay had a, a four-play stretch that was like, wow, today. And the, the first one, the first play, he just took Harper and drove him straight into the backfield. Dez had to bounce outside. Uh, he did get a really nice pass off down the field to, to Michael Young. Uh, but he disrupted – you could tell he, he disrupted Harper on that play. And then the next three plays, he was just in his head. Like, it was yeah. inside, outside. He was at the quarterback in, you know, a split second. And it was like, man, when he flips that switch, there ain't a whole lot you can do. And I know we've talked about this already a lot. There ain't a whole lot you can do when he gets it going. Now – we also saw the flip side of that uh, a couple plays later when they brought Wiley in and Wiley and, and Harper kind of double teamed him. Not kind of, they double teamed him and completely took him out of the play. And uh, Wiley let him know about it a little bit afterwards because Wiley's that type of irritant likes to, and he knows my Jay, my Jay will uh, get a little heated. Respond. Yeah, and Maje responded, got in his face, took his helmet off, and then uh, spent the next ten minutes running uh, laps around the field. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't escalate. It was, but it, <clears throat> as soon as that lid came off, Fickle was right there, son. <laughs> get get some cardio in. Yeah, and then. Uh, Greg Scruggs after practice kind of let the entire defensive line have it, uh, letting them know, hey, love your effort, love your energy, love your passion, but you got to chill out. Like you can't take your lid off, get in Wiley's face. Because that's, that's what Wiley's trying to do to you. Like that, right. that's, that's who he is. Some other guy is going to do that in an actual game and you can't. It happened in Memphis. Respond like that. Right. So a good teaching moment, a good teaching moment. But, sure. boy, he had those four plays in practice, like bang, 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 bang. I was just like, ooh, I, I feel sorry for whatever tackles have to deal with him on a daily basis. Uh, Des, Des was really, really good for about 70% of practice today. And then, like I said, the last, the last 30%, the defense, they kind of looked like they were like, look. Enough. N- n- no. No, this this isn't how it's going down. Uh, and that's, the rest. Of I the mean, day. that's fine, and that's good to see because, like, I mean, let's be real. You go down to Central Florida, you're not just going to like hold them to ten or seventeen. Like, they're going right. to get their plays. So, how do you respond? Um, you know, so it's it's good to see say that they, you know, good to see that inside of one practice they were kind of getting worked and then they made their adjustments or you know whatever they needed to do and kind of flipped it because that's the way momentum goes in a game we you don't know how things are going to go and you just have to be able to do that and we think they have the ability to do that so it's good to see it um you know I continue to be really impressed with defensively that that I think there have been a lot of question marks maybe around uh, more so than anybody else on this defense. I think Darian Beavers has been really good in the stuff that I've watched. Um, He had, he had a play today where Wiley, it was in that seven on seven red zone that I was talking about. Wiley's coming left to right across the, the end zone, the front of the end zone. 
And you could tell that was where the play was designed. And Beaver stayed right on his hip, never let him get even an inch of separation uh, and forced Des to throw it away. And, and there's been a couple times where, you know, seeing him use that athleticism, seeing him out uh, in coverage on running backs, on tight ends, um, and then being kind of a factor uh, as a, you know, what he has done best so far in his career, which is blitz and pressure. So I think we're seeing some uh, some development to his game where, you know, maybe that light is coming on that this is, you know, potentially uh, the end of the road for him. And, you know, he's looking to make some plays. So, yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I thought he was good. Out of a position group that we think can be good, but we need, you know, we just need to see it. And I, I don't think anybody would, you know, disagree that maybe more was probably expected or from him last year maybe we you know we maybe built up the hype a little bit too much from a physical standpoint I mean he looks like he, he looks I he, mean that's he looks the part right so and everybody develops at different points and if he can put it all together this year to add to what they already have then I mean that only makes things better. Seeing, um, and this isn't a surprise, just to, I would guess, continue preparing for if anything, you know, if, if they have something go through the locker room uh, where they have a little bit of an outbreak, which I have been shocked at the, the level of success that they've had in keeping this thing out of their locker room. Um, but a lot, you know, working guys in, with the second team, working guys in with the first team, uh, getting, you know, different looks with the defense on the field just to make sure, um, you know, that you're, you're, you're ready in case anything pops up. Um, but I, the, I think the biggest thing you notice is when they do that, there's, there's not a significant drop-off. Now, if, you know, one of your main guys is off the field, there's, there's going to be some level of drop-off. Sure. But, you know, ultimately, really, I mean, the only guy that how do you really replace, and it's still so unbelievable to say this, is obviously Sauce. Yeah. Because that just shutting down an entire side of the field with, 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 with him. Yeah, when you have, I mean, when you have a lockdown corner and you take – that type of a player off the field, it doesn't just like rotate everybody up a spot. It creates holes, right? In other in other spaces, you know, in the field itself, because now so much more of the I guess square footage is available when you don't yeah. have to just like cross off the this from the numbers out or whatever on one side. Well, you know, that's generally the opponent's number one wide receiver. So um, now you've got to, you know, you've got to take a safety and shade a safety that way where you didn't have to. So other than, you know, if something would happen, knock on wood, you know, if anything would happen, that's where you would probably be hurt the most. But um, I did see, well, I mean, I don't know how I don't want to, Schematically, I don't want to get into too much as we we head towards the season. 
But in um, case in case Austin P is watching or listening oh, to yeah. our podcast. Hey, the Army <laughs> Week Two, like it's the Army. Like who knows? They they might be tuned in like without us yeah. knowing that they're in they're in this this Zoom call right now. Right, right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the military they could probably just you know find hack their way right in. Right. Who knows? Who's you know that 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 they're they're super secret spies could be uh, hearing everything we're saying. Um, I like, we're seeing a little bit of um, they're, they're playing around with the fronts defensively and different ways that they can do things. And that's the luxury of having the depth that they have. And um, we're starting to see a little bit, a, a little bit more in that rotation of, of Phillips. You know, it's also, it's also the luxury of this weird schedule. Yeah. Of normally, your fall camp is fall camp, and then you're like right into game prep. Yeah, you got one week of game prep, like you're they going straight. They did into all it. the fall camp stuff, and now they have time to experiment for a day or two. And and if it doesn't work, they don't feel like they lost time. Right. Because it's still. You know, know, let's be honest, everything they're doing for the Austin P game is self-scout stuff, self-prep stuff. I mean, they're they're obviously going to watch Austin P's game against Pitt and just to see how they line up and things like that. But they're not. Today was a pretty heavy Austin P day in terms of uh, when they, they didn't do scout team a ton, but when they did do scout team stuff, it was a pretty, it it wasn't, uh, we've seen very heavy army stuff. Right. Uh, last week, and then and then I, I wasn't there Monday because of radio. Um, but we're not seeing like I didn't see as much army stuff today. It, it definitely was more what they're seeing, uh, preparing for with Austin P. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's I can't. Part of me is still it's still wild to think that like. We're, what we were talking about a month ago, and now we are 10 days away yeah. from a game that, unless something totally unexpected happens, like, we're going. Let's do it. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of hard to believe we're, we're here, almost. I mean, you see, you know, news every day of – Games getting postponed or moved to a different week, and and I think everybody understood that that was probably going to happen. I mean, the one that is is just terrible is the whole deal with Louisiana Tech having so many guys now having tested positive just because of the hurricane that made them yeah. have to go somewhere where they they were safe um, to deal with, but. It, I've seen this pattern of the teams that are really having to like pause workouts and stuff are the ones not playing. And it, for the most part, yeah, it goes to what we talked about. Like if you're a freshman or you're a redshirt guy and there's no incentive for a game, like you're not going to be as, and you're only practicing or doing workouts 12 hours a week. Like what's the incentive to other than just, doing what you're supposed to do but you might you could still do a few things that aren't a big deal that you wouldn't normally be doing 
but all these guys are, you know, so locked in because they want to have their season that, it's, you know, it's what everybody's talked about. Like the safest place to be is in the full on game type team setting. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was about it from practice today. Uh, ooh, there was a, a, in a, also in that seven on seven, like three out of five plays in one stretch, uh, Jacob Dingle stepping up and making plays. Broke up a pass, made a big hit. Um, so just a, another name added to the list. And uh, that's that's – you're starting to see that a little bit more and more where all of a sudden you're like, ooh, that guy popped up. Ooh, that guy popped up. Yeah, I mean – The depth the is – teams, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like if you get stuck – with some guys out because of the 14-day rule, that's going to hurt. You know, that's where your depth is going to be more crucial than anything uh, that we're not used to, you know, under normal circumstances. So you have to have guys that can play one, but then you also have to have guys that you're confident can go in there. And, yes, there's – we all understand – there's drop-off. Like, we're not under some illusion that even a depth player is just going to come in and replicate a starter. But as long as it's not a glaring hole that exposes you for an entire game, depending on who you're playing, you might be able able to withstand that. Yeah. All right. You want to get into the uh, the point of this podcast? I think we've gone about 20 minutes on practice. Sure. Let's uh, let's get to the BCJ season preview, brought to you by Chad and Dave and the Holy Grail Banks. <laughs> All right, Dave, Austin P. Season opener. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna mark this as a win for the Bearcats. Uh, yes, I'm gonna say they're the Bearcats will defeat the Governors in the opening game of the 2020 season. I feel pretty confident in that. You. Yes, I would put my confidence uh, at a 10 out of 10. <laughs> and don't be surprised if it's a little rusty in the first quarter, a little bit, you know. Uh, to get... I will not take anything less than 100 points to zero points. I, I didn't say the whole game. I just said coming right out of the gate with a team that has already played a couple games. But don't be surprised if there's a little rust to knock off. Uh, but I think they get going and, and they handle Austin P easily. Uh, so that, that means we both have them at one and O to start the season. Army, September 26th, Nippert stadium. Army looked very good against what looked like a very bad middle Tennessee state team. Yeah, I watched, I would say a, I watched a little bit of it. Um, with, like, actual paying attention, not just kind of had it on. But, yeah, I mean, right. they, they looked very sharp. But that's the thing with triple is if you're not prepared or you're undermanned, it can make you look real bad real fast. Um, I think that is an area where, you know, if how much tackling teams have done if you're not good at tackling if you can't get off their wide receiver blocks like we saw 
UC's problems at Navy. I guess that would have been three 18, years ago. 17? 17. Yeah, uh, something like that, where they couldn't – their wide receivers Luke's first year. ate up the DBs. You're just going to have a, a tough game. Um, but, you know, I think you played Navy last year, so that helps. Um, and was that last year or the year before? I'm, Two years ago. thing has messed me up. But, um, <laughs> but you've at least played them somewhat recently, and you had success, so you can kind of look at that game plan and see how that fits. I mean, uh, there's obviously right. very variations of what the two teams do. Um, but I, it's going to be very hard for me to, you know, the defensive line, just with the way – the way they are having the wig back, he's that's a big big component of stopping the triple. So having a player like him, I you know being at home, second game you probably, you hope you know you take your supposedly take your biggest steps from your first game to your second game, um, work the rust off, things like that in a game in an initial game that you should win handily. They're they're the talent levels are not the same i mean the triple is always going to give you a reason for pause but like it's not i'm not worried about that game i'm worried about it just because it's a triple um i think here would maybe be my biggest concern the 4-4 that they used against navy a couple years ago was with a very experienced linebacking core Right, like Jarrell was your extra guy at that point in time. Um, you could just slide him in as your fourth linebacker. How confident are you in a mostly are, – are, you know, are you going to go back to the 4-4 with one, you know, one veteran – I guess Beavers counts, but, um, you know, are you, are you going back to the 4-4 working in – as many new faces and new bodies as you are at linebacker. Yeah. I mean, or do you look, you know, do you just pull Forrest and wig down and put Hicks in the back? Or you, I mean, you don't even have to have all three. You could just, you know, use one of them as that fourth linebacker. You've got right. your three linebackers that are on the field. You bring, drop a safety down where um, you could go base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just wonder on that, that front because you don't have the experience they had at linebacker right. when they did play Navy for half the game because Navy took a cheap shot at Perry and yeah. took him out. Right. Um, I think it's a win. Um, the interesting – like, and the key to that Navy game, this is what's going to be interesting for me. The key to that Navy game was – Copeland and Broughton so many times kept them behind the sticks. Well, every, everything goes off of the B-back, which is the fullback. Yeah. Um, he had the, That guy had like three touchdowns on the first three drives against Middle Tennessee. I mean, their yeah. whole thing runs off of that dive play. So if they get the dive play going, then they do the QB follow where he just follows the fullback, and then that's when they start – getting the pitch guys going and your head spinning and everything. But, yeah, I mean, if you can plug that 
that dive play and it's second and nine or second and eight versus second and six because then they get it to third and three. Right. And, and if they're in that's how you get a that's how you get a nineteen play ninety nine yard yeah. drive. So yeah, that it's all about ridiculous. first down. It's first down against them because they get it in plus territory and it's third and three. You know they're going to go for it on fourth and whatever. So just to keep the clock moving, you just don't get possessions. Right. So, like Middle Tennessee got down. And it's like, are you going to get enough possessions to even – even if you stop them, are you going to get enough possessions to score? That one drive was 12 and a half minutes. Yeah. 19 plays, 99 yards, 12 and a half minutes. So, I don't see that Taking type a, of thing I, happening I, against – I don't either. This defense, so. But I do think it, the, the key is going to be first down. Oh, yeah. Get them, sure. get them playing behind the sticks a little bit on first down. Uh, and the game area on second down and the game becomes uh, much easier. Are we doing scores here the rest of the way? I don't think we need one for Austin P. No, I mean, I, I would, I think we, well, we do scores the week in our week of yeah predictions. Like we're just kind of going through the schedule as a whole. All right. So we both have that as a win. That's, that's two and O each. Yes. I think it might be a little tougher than you do. Um, but I still think pretty comfortably, I, I think the Bearcats will get a win. Uh, homecoming 2020, October 3rd, Saturday, Nippert Stadium, South Florida. Blowout. They're terrible. Blowout? They're off. They're, they're the worst team in the league this year. Really? I don't, I don't think it's close. Hmm. They are void of talent. I mean, they're they have guys that are have already opted out. We don't know about their injuries. New system, total new coaching staff, no spring football. It's it's not it's not the recipe to have a very good season. Um, they have a couple. Like KJ Sales is, is an all-conference defensive back that we're all very familiar with. I don't know, like their offense against our this defense. I mean, that's gonna be trouble for. That's gonna be a long day. Yeah, I just no question there. I I don't see it. I mean, I it's ugly. Ugly win, Bearcats. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing there is uh, I think USF is really going to struggle to move the ball. So, uh, Bearcats, 3-0, both of us. First road trip, Tulsa, maybe, on my birthday, Saturday, October 17th. Uh, Tulsa. Birthday present. To Tulsa right now? I heard it's lovely this time of year. I'm going to pass on Tulsa <laughs> at the moment. Not not great at Tulsa right now. Uh, hopefully by the middle of October they will have things straightened out. But um, again, I, I mean, I guess they're supposed to be improved. I, I, I mean, if it, if they're not, if it, then then what are we doing? Like, right? This is the same stuff they've talked about with. Philip Montgomery for the last three years. The only reason they didn't fire him after last year is because they couldn't afford to fire him and then hire someone else, knowing that it's probably the worst job in the league. And who are you going to get to take that job? 
at that point. Um, um, they have I, some pieces. I, I mean, they have some some offensive pieces. I think their defense it will will not be as good as it was last year. But they they've been sneaky. I don't want to say sneaky good, but I mean they beat UCF last year at home, and they should have beat Memphis. Yeah, if they had a kicker. So it gets your attention, but again, it's it's kind of one for me that you know this team has gotten over the whole like we have to see it on the road thing and I know they had some scares last year but it was they still weren't great on the road last year no but they they've figured they've figured out ways to win close games they have that experience that if it's not going great that we can can we know what to do and in those games at the end of the year like the the ECU game was wild and the South Florida game was wild in the other direction of being totally gross to watch. A lot of that was, you know, especially the USF game, Dez was not anywhere near 100%. No. So, I mean, any road game in this league, I think, with the way teams want to spread it out. But, again, like that, you're playing into what UC wants you to do. You're going to spread it out, have minimal protection against this defensive line, and he's like, good luck. That's your game plan. More power to you. I think it's close for a while. Um, first road game, never an easy task. UC's going to have a, a big target on their back. You know, if you're if you're riding three and zero, you've played well in those three games. They're going to be pretty far up the, the rankings at that point in time, right? Oh yeah. I think this is a game that that goes into the second half pretty tight. But I do think they find a way to pull it out. Yeah. Um, 4-0 and for both of us. I'm sensing a trend. Yes. SMU. Uh, I did not. I, I didn't see it. I didn't watch one snap. But, I mean, come on, guys. You're supposed to have this vaunted offense. And, yeah, you put up, what, 30? They went 31-24 or 34-24 something against – yeah, but team that was those, not good last year. Those points were late. Like that's the that thing offense. too, though. You have to. I mean, we have. It's very hard to take anything from these early season results. Just from the standpoint of like, we don't they know have a new who, offensive coordinator, right? They still have Shane Bouchelle. A lot of talent. Yeah, they still have Reggie Roberson. Their defense is not going to be good. I don't think they have a shot at stopping UC, SM, or UC Memphis, UCF. And one of these other teams can jump up and get them, I think, too. Like, their defense wasn't great last year, and they lost anybody that was good on it. So, it's, a, I, it's a, they want to get you into a shootout. Yeah. Um, so, it's just a matter of can you get to the quarterback? Can you make – Michelle, turn the ball over, and can you capitalize? I think this is one that ends up in the in the 30s, probably. Yeah, I, do. I, I, would, I would agree. I mean, you're I, not going to – it's, you know, it's – at their place, it's tough to imagine like a 24-17 type of game. You're going right. to have to put up some points. I mean, we love the defense, but 
college football anymore. If you give up 27, 24 to 27, you're doing, you're doing well. Right. So maybe they surprise us and they just can't move the ball on them. But, you know, the, their offense has had success, you know, against everybody they played last year. It was the, you know, the defense just couldn't keep up in some games. But I still think, you know, again, we're, we're, we're taking big assumptions going through games that are two months from now that players will yeah. stay healthy, games will actually happen when they're scheduled to happen. You know, we're, we're talking about this in a perfect world, which we know that of course. this isn't right now. So, but I, I, I'm, I don't feel that they would drop this game. I think it'll be close into the fourth quarter. Um, you go, uh, maybe I'll go smiley with another walk-off pick six to end it. <laughs> and bring back some bad memories for them. That would be fun. Uh, Halloween. Nippert Stadium. Memphis Tigers. Starting a three-game homestand. Not losing to them three years in a row. Or three, three games, games in a row. I did watch some of their game. It was, I think it was tied at half. I know they had some guys out for who knows what reason. I mean, could be. Right. But the thing I noticed was when they pulled away, they threw touchdown passes to guys who you and I were closer than the defensive back. <laughs> like inside the 10 yard line, just total busted coverage. Guy just runs a post route and he's standing on the T and Tigers or the G and Tigers, and there's now an Arkansas State guy in the end zone. So, like, is that going to happen against UC? Probably not. Probably not. I, I would at, say probably, probably not, not at home against the, this defensive back group. Um, the Kenny Gainwell factor is huge. I don't care how they want to sugarcoat it. Yeah, um, he's, he was the best player in the league. They have – Brady White back for his 19th season. I'm still not that big on him. I think he makes big mistakes. Uh, he almost gave the first game away last year with a really dumb interception right after they had gotten the ball back. Um, so I still don't know how that the new coaching staff is going to turn out with play new play caller in tight games. It's just a lot of – they have a lot of una- a lot of things unanswered to me that we won't know about for a little while, um, and I think they play UCF two weeks before our game, so that would be a a good barometer to kind of see where both teams are. Those are usually pretty wild affairs, Memphis and UCF. Yeah. So you're you're going Bearcats? Oh yeah, I. I like the, the, I think the revenge factor gets played up sometimes too much, but based on what we know about some of these guys and the coaching staff, it will be front of mind all week. Yes. And I do not envision them losing at home to Memphis for a third straight time. I think this next one's dangerous. I do too. Houston's kind of my sleeper league team. That and you're coming off an emotional Memphis game. Yeah. Where, as we just talked about, revenge uh, would be high on your mind. Um, I, I think Houston is tricky here. 
I agree. They're de- they're they have talent. We know that they have quarterbacks back, two running backs are back, two or three wide receivers are back. Their line, I think, is a little could be a little suspect. Their defense was terrible last year, but it adds a ton of autonomous five transfers and brings everybody back. So conventional wisdom is experience means better. That's not always the case. Sometimes the just bad players are just bad right. players. But I don't think – I'm not thinking that's the case here. Like if you add a bunch of guys that were at P5 schools, they're not just going to all of a sudden get worse because they transferred to Houston. Um, See, I – I'm not saying they're so great. Always torn. Like, if they were that great, they would have been on the field at the P5 school and not had to transfer Yeah, but if they, to Houston. But they're still probably a lot better than what Houston put out there last year. Potentially, potentially. Like, just because you're not good enough to start at Auburn doesn't mean you're not Yeah, really but I, it's generally Houston. not – like, generally those guys that, that leave are guys that couldn't get on the field. Not guys just that didn't start, guys that didn't play. Right. How many times have we seen a – where's um, – oh, what the hell's his name? T.J. Johnson. Is that, is that his name? I don't know who you're – The cornerback yeah. from Penn State. Oh, yeah. yeah he didn't make it, make it too long. No, I understand. But I think that that's, they've kind of set things up for this year to be – like, if it, if it doesn't work this year, then, then what are you doing with Dana? Like – he, they punted on last year. He loses Deer King. Everybody down there says it's okay that this was the plan. You, you, you stunk last year because you had a very young, inexperienced, bad defense, but you kept pointing to all these transfers that were just waiting in the wings. Okay, well, if it doesn't work this year, then, then what now? Right. Um, talent isn't the – I don't think talent necessarily, especially on offense, isn't the issue at I'm glad the game's at home. Uh, but, again, like, is the defense going to take a big enough jump from awful to average, or are they going to go from, like, awful to below average where it still is not good enough to beat a UC a U, and a UCS? Right. That's I mean, that's kind of where I – go in on this is it's it's very rare that you go from a like one of the worst defenses in the country to like middle of the pack right without crazy like turnover luck and that's not sustainable year year over year so yeah if they could make a huge jump if they're this year if they forced 30 turnovers but that's based on luck basically i mean you have right not a transferable number from year to year it's not even a transferable number from game to game i'm gonna i'm i'm going bearcats i'm going seven i mean they're not losing at home it's just i mean i just think it's going to be a a a tough game (laughs) yeah holt nailers and the pirates holt nailers and that after last C.J. Johnson going to have 600 receiving yards again this year. Well, C.J. Johnson did not get a heavy dose of sauce last year. No, until he threw the pick. Right. So I think that changes things a little bit. Um, 
for some reason, I think I think ECU is getting better. I like the direction that they're headed, but I I can't fathom. I, I think UC handles this one pretty easily. Yeah, I do too. I mean, they're getting better. I mean, they proved that last year. Um, that they can they they're now to the point where they're in that tough spot where they can get up for a game like against a UC or something. But if you punch them back, which UC didn't do, and that's right. why the game ended the ended up the way it was. But if you punch them back, I'm not saying they'll fold, but they just don't have the talent to go 60 minutes, you know, with the with the upper echelon teams. They're getting closer, but, you know, they have some young pieces on offense, which helps, but their defense is not – their best defensive player from last year isn't there anymore. Right. So it's – they just don't have the depth. They don't have the front-line talent on defense to hang with the better teams for a full game. All right, 8-0. Drum roll, please. November 21st, Orlando, UCF. What are the odds that there's at least 30,000 people in the bounce house for that game? <laughs> they just screw the, screw the rules? Yeah. Probably. At least – like, they'll be at half capacity. They'll that would, be that would definitely be a Danny White move. Yeah. Or they're just going to turn the volume up in the in the stadium to make it sound yeah. like it. Yeah. Give me your thoughts. I mean, and this is this is the big one. It'll echo off the erector set. <laughs> um, my thoughts are that it's a coin flip game in the sense of if it was at UC, I think people, whatever the polls or whatever, would have voted UC preseason number one. I think the thing that always gets pointed to with UCF last year is how they lost these three games by a total of like seven points or whatever. And while that is true, part of me is like, why, if you were so damn good, why were you in the position you were in to lose a game at Tulsa? Right. And I don't even remember the, Obviously, they lost to UC. I don't even remember who their other loss was, too. Was it, was it Pitt? Was somebody yes, it out was. of conference. It was at Pitt. Pitt scored like at the, towards, on the like yeah. fourth down or something at the very end of the game. Uh, I'm really bummed, just from the sake of watching what I thought would be a really good game, I'm really bummed that their game against North Carolina is not happening. Because I don't think Georgia Tech's quite ready to – I think Jeff right. Collins is doing a great job down there and – in another year or two, he'll have flushed out all of the triple guys. I think he's doing a great job, but they just don't have the dudes yet. But North Carolina did. And I really, really wish that game was still happening. Um, anyone that's listened to this and listened to us talk about UCF knows that I'm not a fan of Josh Heupel. I think it's a coaching mismatch. And that kind of bared itself out last year thought they did a lot of things in the game at UC that did not put them in a very good spot. We know about Dylan Gabriel. Uh, they did lose his best receiver. They still have good receivers. They lost his 
best running back. Maybe not their best running back, but a key key running back. They still have Otis Anderson. Uh, they still have Richie Grant at safety. It's down there. The thing that I'm going to wonder about is with this game being the second to last game, at that point in the season, do the 10 guys that already opted out, does that start to affect them if they have any injuries on the offensive and defensive line? Yeah. It's just a question we just don't know with any of these games. Um, but I think if we get to that point, and what would you see be at that point? Eight no? Yep. They, they're not losing. Here's, here's my concern. The, the thing that I really struggle to get out of my head are the four empty trips UCF had into the red zone here. Now, I do think a lot of that was Nippert. Oh, freshman quarterback, absolutely. I worry down there with fans, with no fans. They moved the ball pretty well that day. They just couldn't punch it in. Right. I don't know. I still don't know if UC's ready offensively to score with them in, in their place. So, I'm torn. Because, like you, I think it's a coin flip. Generally, on a coin flip, you're, uh, the, the temptation is to go with the home team. Right. Man. And, I, I mean, this has been on my mind for a long time. And I, that, it's, that's how tight it is. I still don't – I still wrestle with it. I think either way, this game is replayed in the conference championship. I think Memphis is going to lose at least two games. UC and UCF will either get defeated or lose one. If I felt better about about knowing, like, if you could give me two weeks to watch this offense and see what it looks like with all the new pieces in place, I think I would have a better – Everybody would make – Great predictions in right. September. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, that's I'm, the other thing too. Like, yes, they they got shut down in the red zone. But if we're going to talk about UC's offense the way we feel like it can take the next step, then you know the way they played last year in this game offensively wasn't exactly right. You know lighting the world on fire either. Yeah, and I'm not – If they take a step – I'm not in any way discrediting what UC did to keep them out of the end zone. Oh, I I know you're not. I'm just saying I don't know that that those uh, turn of events happen down there. Probably not, but – uh, UC wins say, by just, one. Just say they're going to lose so that we have something to talk about. If all right, that we have I'll, different picks. Uh, I'll I'll take UCF <laughs> in a close one in the bounce house. I'm not thrilled about it, but I I just that's what my brain flashes back to as them constantly feeling like they spent that game in UC's half of the field 
and they kept walking away with no or three points. Like, the pressure you could feel was constant. UC just always had an answer, and then they, they made scored the... like ten points on six red zone trips. Yeah, what, nine or or they no they thirteen. A, they have a touchdown and a field goal. Two field goals, I think. They you had the uh, they scored twenty scored twenty four. They had the touchdown late. Yeah, the Cam Jeffries pick. You had the uh, Jarrell White tip interception. Right. Did they stop him on a fourth down? Uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to. But I just, man, I mean, it it took an absolute perfect effort in the red zone to keep them sure. at that point total. So I I, I am gonna t- I'll take Central Florida. I think it's gonna be a close when it comes down to the wire. Um. Nobody tell Luke. He'll be very mad at me. I don't I don't want to get the Pete Thamel treatment. <laughs> he he we'll talk about we'll talk about that when we get done with this. Um <laughs> at Temple. Ugh. Ugh. Always always terrible. Like first one to seventeen wins. Um I did see an interesting stat. I guess it was last week caught my attention that their quarterback, Anthony Russo, leads the nation in returning quarterbacks' interceptions last year. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say leads the nation in tackles for a quarterback. <laughs> no. Well, he might. That, too, with how many interceptions he um, Well, that's because it, that's what they just chuck it deep. Like, well, it's weird. They're, it's almost like they're kind of – this year they're almost like shifting. Like they have him – they still have uh, some good running backs. They have Jaden Blue, who came I thought came out of nowhere last year and had an awesome season at wide receiver. And it's almost like they're now more of an offensive team than a defensive team. They've lost a lot of the big guys offensively. Quincy Roche transferred – or defensively, excuse me. Quincy Roche transferred to Miami, Florida. So this, this is probably the the – most susceptible Temple defense we have seen yeah. in a long time where, again, if things have progressed, if we've grown offensively, you know, end of the year, who knows what the weather is going to be, stuff like that. But definitely yeah, in be, Philly on November 28th. Definitely could be wolf. more offensive than we're, than we're used to seeing from UC's side of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take Cincinnati here, oh, yeah, especially yeah. if they if they lose to UCF, I I feel bad for Temple. Yeah. So, I've got I've got nine and one. You've got ten and zero. Oh. That obviously uh, puts them, I would say, in the championship game on in both scenarios. Yeah. Uh, I would guess return game against UCF would be most likely. I feel a little more confident about this undefeated prediction than the last one I made. That one didn't go well. No, so hopefully, hopefully it's not a, a jinx thing. <laughs> well, you have a hypothetical conference championship game. Hypothetical conference championship game. In my hypothetical conference championship game, it would be at UC in December. They, they're not losing that one at home in what could be 
frigid, frigid temperatures, which what could be as, as far-fetched as it seems, what could be a trip to the college football playoff, which would undoubtedly be to uh, what I believe would be the Fiesta Bowl. So a uh, nice little trip out to Tempe for the boys. Yeah, we're going 11-0, and punching that ticket. I would take them in a conference championship game. Rematch, uh, even if it's in Florida. If it's here, forget it. We've seen what those guys act like when it's when it's 50 up here. I mean, South Florida might bring the heaters for October 3rd. <laughs> they had them two years ago, and it wasn't even <laughs> – Right. They've, they've set them up when, with the lows. Like, not even what the, like, the temperature is going to be during the game, but what the temperature would be at 4 in the morning was still like 55, and they brought those things down here. Which yeah. means during the game, it was probably like 63, 60? 65 <laughs> degrees. And then they're like, oh, hell no. Yes, if it's here, pfft, forget it. But even down there, I don't see a Luke Fickle team losing in the AAC championship game two years in a row. Probably not. Uh, the difference here being your 11-0 and team would be uh, definitely in a New Year's Six Bowl and knocking on the door of the playoff, depending on how things played out. Uh, at 10-1, and one, I don't think that would be an option. No, oh no. You have to win. They have to go undefeated. Probably needs – even would need some style points, uh, as hard as that is to imagine, in their bigger games. Yeah. And then you would need – really, you would need – Whoever lost the SEC championship game to have that to be their second loss. At least second. And whoever, because a lot of times, you know, we see like the loser of the Alabama LSU game is still only has one loss, but they don't go to the conference championship because they didn't lose the West or didn't win the West. Right. That team will also need to have had at least two losses. Because, yes. like, you're not getting in, like, say LSU – I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it this year, but I'll just use them as an example. Say they go, whatever it is, 9-1, and one, and they don't make the conference championship game. They're going to get – they would get in over an AAC undefeated team. Yeah, I even, agree. If, even if they didn't make the SEC championship. Assuming the SEC championship game wasn't against two undefeated teams, because if that's the case, then the loser's still probably getting in. I agree. It's not likely, but it's, there's at least an outside chance. They can't have any games canceled. Right. Like you're going to have to have 10 on the board. They're going to have, they're going to have to have 11. They're going to have to make, yeah. Well, yeah. 10 regular season on the board. Every game is going to have to go off. Like where other schools and other teams could survive, you know, because they're all playing each other. And if, so-and-so doesn't play another SEC team. They still get four wins against four top 15 teams. UC is just not going to have that type of a resume. Right. Um, The other thing that, I mean, at least on that front, that makes it interesting, once you get to that off week between USF and Tulsa, October 10th, there ain't no making anything up. 
Right. Like, they, they didn't build themselves any buffer. The only saving grace could be pushing the conference championship back if the AAC knows that there's teams that need to make up games so that you get a game that first week well, of at December. Least they, at least they have a pretty good sense, probably, that Navy won't be a part of it. So they could push it back to the same week as the Army-Navy game because, my God. Um, practice tackling. Those Mormons came in and, whew. That was ugly. I guess, yeah, I guess you find out what happens when you don't go live at any point in the entire offseason. Seems like a bad idea. It's also why I think there is going to be a whole hell of a lot of bad NFL football for like three weeks to start the NFL season. Except by my guy. You're building three statues. No, right. I'm saying is that too is that too few? I mean, what's 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 excessive? I mean, if, when you win seven <laughs> seven Super Bowls, is three statues enough? <laughs> How many statues does Tom have? I don't know. He only, he's only won five. Six. No, he's is it six? I thought he won. Six. I think he's got six. Well, then he left. So. They'll probably won't build. <laughs> well, Kraft loves him. That was a Belichick deal. So, but anyway, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite interesting, David. Yeah, I mean, we got like real ass football teams playing this weekend. Like Clemson's playing. You know, some some other teams that everyone's heard of are playing. I think there's like 22 total. College games. And then next week, Bearcats. Yeah, this is like a thing now. Um, At least you guys don't have to talk about the Reds anymore when you're, when yeah, you're on the radio. I still kind of do, but <laughs> so they're going to they're gonna end up winning tonight and tomorrow and make us keep freaking talking about them. I'm not on again until like the twenty something, so they should be they should be buried by then, and the Bengals will be gone, and the Bearcats will be gone, and I think the next like I'm in for a week for Tony for three sixty, so I've only got an hour, like the next week that I'm in, so yeah. I won't have as definitely not as much to worry about in uh, in Reds coverage. No, we'll leave that we'll leave that for Mo. Of two Bengal games already happening and at least yeah. one UC game, so. And then going into Army, there'll be plenty to talk about. Like, I, I will I will schedule my way around getting much Reds talk in. They're going to end up – they'll be one game out of the playoffs through, like, all of that. One and a half – like, I don't think it's how it'll happen, but they'll just torture me enough to where they're like, you know – a game and a half out of the last wild card spot going into the final week where we still have to talk about apparently like everybody makes the playoffs now because all I hear about is how terrible they are. And then yet they're like a game and a half out of the playoffs. I'm like, well then does everybody make it pretty much? I mean, over half the teams (laughs) in the league make it. Oh, get excited. (laughs) There's 15 teams. Eight of them make the playoffs in each league. Should we should we talk about real quick the ridiculousness of the AACC's everybody makes the college no. basketball tournament? 
I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it's so dumb. They already do that. It's called conference tournaments. Well, no, I just look at it from like a how many rounds, if everyone really did make, <clears throat> make the tournament, how many rounds would have to happen before you actually watched a game because you wanted to watch it? Well, I'm a college basketball nerd, so I would still, you know, those 31 seed versus 32 seed games I would be dialed in on. <laughs> I feel like, wait. I mean, it would go until, like, June. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dumb. Oh, so dumb. But, hey, you got really to look out for each other. Can't, can't get anybody fired. What, what were your thoughts on the Thamel article today? I thought it was good. I thought there was a couple nuggets in there that, you know, I didn't know anything about that made me laugh. You know, his uh, – I was, was at – I the was Iowa State that. deal was funny, and then him not, him not accepting so, Landon's commit the first time because he wasn't enthusiastic enough about it. I think I'm going to be a Bearcat. You what? You think? Out of here. Come back when you're ready. Um, so, one, I, I think this is funny. Luke had, Luke had not been in contact. It, it, it's pretty, like, well-known. Luke and Pete Thamel are, are tight, right? Yes. Um, you remember how Luke said that, like, he deleted numbers from his phone for people that were, like, talking about canceling yeah. the season? He, he didn't answer texts from Thamel for a while. <laughs> so this was uh, – Pete's, Pete's out of the doghouse, apparently. Um, the Iowa State thing, I was there. You know who one of the, the guys was? Four, four, four Bearcats. Yeah, I was going to ask, who were the four <laughs> former players that he brought? I only, know, I only know one. They were all local. They were rounded up by Rossfeld. Uh, if you remember, Doug Rossfeld was still uh, in the program at that point in time. Because this was right. – this was after Luke's first season. It was the first set of camps and stuff um, with him as the head coach. So he was trying to, like, plant that flag, obviously. One of them was Mick Oak's dad. Okay. Um, and they did. They just showed up, and they were just four of them in red and black. And they stood there. And, like, made their presence known. And Luke just kind of, like, milled in between them and, like, stood in front of them uh, as he watched the satellite camp. Um, and I, I heard from a pretty good source on this. Uh, and Matt Campbell, being an Ohio guy, you know, used to work camps at Ohio State, um, was somebody that, while I wouldn't say they were, like, buddy-buddy, like they, Luke had a pretty good relationship with Matt Campbell. Yeah, and uh, they have not spoken to this day well, since that camp. Similar age, I get. I would guess. Yeah, in the in the same range, and they they have not spoken uh, since that day, which is fantastic. Oh yeah, that I mean, it literally was like, look, like put up a no trespassing sign, like no matter what you do, you're not making hay in Cincinnati you're you're gonna have to find another outpost in Ohio and even when you do that I'm still gonna be around yeah 
great story. And that was one of the first, like, uh, extended interactions I had with Luke because I was there that whole day at Mount St. Joe's uh, watching the camp. And I, if I, rem- I can't remember who the kids were, but obviously it was uh, guys that made, you know, the start of that 2018 class um, that really kind of, like, pushed through. Mm-hmm. And they did, there were three or four guys. It might have been – I'd have to check. It might have been Malik. There were a couple local guys. Because um, who all was that? There was Aeneas Hawkins and Malik. Wiley. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple guys that showed up that didn't, that didn't work out. And, you know, Luke's just standing over there, arms folded and that they, a couple of them saw him and gave him like the head nod. Uh, obviously he couldn't be in contact with any of them, but like his presence was, uh, was definitely well known. Right. Which was hilarious. Just fantastic. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, but yeah, I, I also thought it was funny that that was you know that was uh, that was Thamel getting back getting back in the good side. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like that's the thing about like he's not kidding when he says that stuff. No, I think people think that like he's full of crap when he he makes those comments, right? No, he literally was not talking to anybody that was like. Well, he he would rather not have to talk to any of you guys. Oh no, he loves talking to me. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing he loves more than talking to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was that was a lot of good stuff in there. I had almost forgotten about that camp because it happened so early and things were still so like you know, up in the air, they'd had a terrible season. Right. Or no, that was, that was long before they even had a season. Cause that yeah, would have been, been spring the, of been 17. Summer, summer before the first year. I don't even think that was summer. I think that was spring. I think that 27, was 27, 2017. Yeah. I think that was actually like while spring practices were going on or like right after spring practices ended. Cause a lot of those camps, um, I think start in April. Maybe it was the summer. I don't know. I don't know. Who's to to say? Not me, clearly. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. That's about all I got. You got anything else? I don't think so. I'm just ready for watch watch some some good football. Last weekend was kind of disappointing, I have to admit. Dave has the Bearcats 11 and 0 and uh headed somewhere big. Where? Don't know. I've got them 10 and 1. Take all your frustration out on Chad. I mean, you know, we try to keep it real around here. We do. I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I still see those red zone trips and just think on the road. But more of better. I'm trying. I'm still trying to talk myself into it. But well, you got you got over two months 
in a little while <laughs> before we do that. Yeah. To, before we do that podcast and, and we have to pick God knows what we'll be talking about by then. All right. That wraps it up. Oh, Victor Locken uh, should have arrived a couple hours ago. Wonderful. So now the full basketball team is, uh, is in town. That's so that's your start, ba- that's your basketball start, note for today. Preparing to play in some bubble or something. <laughs> yeah, who knows? The general consensus is a lot of college ball college basketball coaches are looking around, going, "What in the hell are we doing here?" So, who knows? They're just trying to repli- replicate that. football, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I'm sure we'll do a show on that at some point in time. But uh, anyhow. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Special thanks, as always, to our title sponsor, the Holy Grail. Make sure you get down there for lunch, get down there for dinner. Weather's been nice. Grab you a seat outside. Grab you a seat at the bar, one way or the other. Get some food, get some drinks, and enjoy your time. We'll see you next week where we, uh, we, we preview the governors. That should be thrilling. We're going to have to find something else to talk about for a lot of that show. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we, we'll have, um, we'll have a, a bigger slate of games to talk about. Some AAC games, some national games. We didn't even hit on getting bumped to ESPN+. Plus. It's not worth it's talking bullshit. It's bullshit. Sorry, Dan. It's worse than that, but I'll refrain from... Needless, I, I will tell you this. Needless to say, UC did not go down without a fight as that decision was made. And um, I'm told there are a lot of people at ESPN that are, are not real happy with UC's response to their game being pushed from the main ESPN to what ESPN+. Plus. What did they think the response was going to be? Right. Yes, thank you. May I have another? You pushed the top 20 team to a pay channel for – Tulsa and Oklahoma State? Yeah. Not even that. The games that like are on ESPN2 and ESPNU are terrible. Come on. Bump one of those games. You don't, be, you don't be bump. Better. I'm sure. I'm sure our buddy Mikey was in our corner really fighting hard for the Bearcats since all he's talked about all damn offseason is those non-conference games like Tulsa and Oklahoma State. Right. All right. Well, we'll maybe we'll get into that. We'll save that for next week. That's what we did. We saved it hey, for next week. I wonder if that means like Rocky will do the game then, and we'll get a huge. At least we'll get a huge Homer announcer. Maybe. <clears throat> oh well. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast. Right here on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>